God is not a God of disorder or confusion, but is the God of peace. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning stars rise in your hearts. You are tuning into the Tribe of Christians podcast with host Brandon Dawson, the chief sinner, bringing you a peace of mind, clarity, insight, and perspective to the world you live in by the word of God, featuring the latest updates on end time prophecy news. Don't, Don't forget, forget to subscribe to the, to the Tribe of, of Christians, Christians broadcast, either on Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Facebook, or YouTube at tribeofchristians.com. Without further ado, here is your host and teacher, the Chief Sinner. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Tribe of Christians. I am your host, Brandon Dawson. Now, there is a very interesting ancient prophecy that comes from the very book of Ezekiel that has gone viral over the internet uh, and especially through the prophetic realms that's being used in correlation with Joe Biden and the Biden administration. So interestingly, this passage has come up uh, several times throughout the week and it's really caught my attention and it's very interesting one the least to say it has most definitely sparked my curiosity because uh, there's no coincidences with god in in biblical prophecy so we're going to take a look at this passage and see if there's anything to this i'm going to show you guys the very passage that i'm going to reveal its original context and how this passage was written and if or how it may possibly apply to Joe Biden and his administration. Now, there are also a lot of very fascinating aspects into the scripture that I believe most people actually tend to overlook or miss. So we're going to go ahead and take a look. Now, the passage comes from Ezekiel chapter 21. Ezekiel chapter 21 concerning Babylon being used as God's sword of judgment against Israel. And it's found in verses 18 and 27, specifically concerning uh, the king of Israel. So the word reads, uh, Son of man, mark out two roads for the sword of the king of Babylon to take, both starting from the same country. Make a signpost where the road branches off to the city. Make out one road for the sword to come against Rabbah of the Ammonites and another against Judah and fortify Jerusalem. For the king of Babylon will stop at the fork in the road at the junction of the two roads to seek an omen. And then he will cast lots with arrows. He will consult his idols and he will examine the liver and into his right hand will come the lot for Jerusalem where he it, where he is to set up battering rams to give the command to slaughter, to sound the battle cry, to set battering rams against the gates, to build a ramp and erect siege works. And it will seem like a false omen to those who have sworn allegiance to him, but he will remind them of their guilt and take them captive. And this, the Sovereign Lord says, Because you people have brought to mind your guilt by your open rebellion, revealing your sins and all that you do, because you have done this, you will be taken captive. And then he says, You profane and wicked prince of Israel, whose day has come, whose time of punishment has reached its climax. And this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Take off the turban 
Remove the crown. It will not be as it was. The lowly will be exalted, and the exalted will be brought low. A ruin. I will make it a ruin. The crown will not be restored until he to whom it rightfully belongs shall come, and to him I will give it. So a lot of people have taken that last passage and have used it concerning Joe Biden and what the uh, presidency of the United States. Now, I have to say that this passage is indeed pretty interesting, given what happened with the 2020 elections, uh, dealing with both deception and what this passage dealing with both deception and restoration. So, let me give you guys a little bit of context into this passage, just a little bit of backstory about what's happening, because uh, it's extremely important uh, it's very important. I think there are some major details concerning the context that are uh, that might actually shock and surprise you guys to learn uh, that a lot of people actually overlook and miss. So God is actually profound in such wisdom in how he does things. And when I say, like I always say, that there is never a coincidence, honestly, there is never a coincidence. Everything that God does Everything that he says and how he does it, and is uh, it means something. It's extremely very important to pay attention to the details and in the context, especially it's the uh, spirit of prophecy. Now, Ezekiel chapter sixteen gives us the context into why God chose Babylon and why God had Ezekiel make that signpost out there in the uh, in the fort for the king of Babylon. It's uh, it's extremely ironic. And I don't mean ironic in a coincidental way. I mean ironic as in the complete wisdom and justice of the Lord. It's so profound. And when we think of Babylon, we actually think of the end times. We think of the the beast in Daniel's vision. We think of mystery Babylon, Revelation 13. We think of Babylon that's brought uh, destruction against Israel as an instrument of judgment that God has used, such as in this passage. And although the kingdom of Babylon technically no longer exists today, it is symbolized through the world system of culture and idolatry that the world worships. And this is where it originally comes from. This is where it originally comes from. And you'll notice that one of the consistent themes concerning this Babylon system is deception. To serve a lie, to mislead for the purpose of condemnation and judgment, and to counterfeit something that is original. Now, the context and the answer is found in Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 28 through 29, and also in verses 35 through 38. So, concerning Israel, this is what the Lord God says. He says that you engaged in prostitution with the Assyrians, because you were insatiable, and even after that, you still were not satisfied. You increased your promiscuity to include Babylon, a land of merchants, but even with this, you were not satisfied. Therefore, you prostitute here the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, because you poured out your lust and exposed your naked body in the promiscuity with your lovers, and because all of your detestable idols, and because you gave them to gave your children's blood. Therefore, I'm going to gather all your lovers with whom you found pleasure, those you loved as well as those that you have hated. I will gather them against you from all around, and I will strip you in front of them, and they will see you stark naked, and I will sentence you to the punishment of a woman who commits adultery and who sheds blood. Now, 
Israel's problem was that they were different than all the other nations. And that is literally where the word anointed actually comes from, to be separated, to be set apart, to be made different. And God set Israel apart from all the other nations as a testament of God and the line of God. But Israel's desire, <clears throat> excuse me, Israel's desire was not wanting to be different, but to be same, to be the same like all the other nations. And so Israel lusted after these nations, and they literally lusted the physical sight of them. They lusted after their idols and their idolatries, and they even lusted after the practices of child sacrifices. Now, this was a, this was a snare to them from the very beginning. The influences that inspired Israel to actually demand God to raise a king to rule over them, to be like all the other nations, rather than having God as their sustainer. Now, the same thing in the desert, when they demanded God to give them meat to eat instead of manna, because they wanted to be like everybody else. Now, this is an interesting parallel and a common theme among liberals in the Democratic Party. Not only to look like the rest of the world, but to have people rather than God, rule over them, leading into slavery and oppression. The Babylon system today, Mystery Babylon, is the idolatry system of cultural idolatry. And in modern times today, it's political correctness, it's globalism, it's liberalism, it's climate change, and all the ways the mainstream world tells them is acceptable. And if you're not like them, then you're an outcast. Except today, being an outcast isn't good enough to them, so you're also labeled a criminal, a bigot, a racist, and even a terrorist just for being different. In all honesty, nothing has ever really changed. Although technology has changed, everything is still basically the same. As Solomon says, nothing is new under the sun. It's just under a different name and a different pretense. Now, God, being incredibly profound in his wisdom and in complete justice, he takes the lust of Israel, the idolatry of Israel, the lovers of Israel, whom Israel lusted after, and he turns it against them, against Israel, because there is only one true sincere love that never changes, and that is the love of God. And so now if you go back to Ezekiel 21, God uses, he uses a system which is very familiar to Babylon through the practices of divination as a sign against Israel. So God uses this divination system as a way to literally confront and convict the sins of Israel. And this is where God begins to deal with the deception, the lies, and all of the false prophets. So who is the prince of Israel that God is referring to? And why does God say that the crown will be removed from him and given to the one whom it belongs to? Now, this is where it gets interesting, where we can really start drawing some parallels from. Because Zedekiah was the last king of Judah and was the subject of God's word in this passage to Ezekiel. Now, originally, Zedekiah's 18-year-old nephew Jehokian was king over Judah. However, Jehokian surrendered himself to Nebuchadnezzar, in which Nebuchadnezzar then installed Zedekiah, who was also just 21 years old, as king over Judah. 
Now, this is referenced in 2 Chronicles 36.10. The Bible also reveals that not only Zedekiah swore an oath and allegiance to Nebuchadnezzar, but that he became arrogant, prideful, proud in his heart, and he rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, also refusing to turn to the Lord. And so while this was happening, and Israel was under extreme distress, you have all these false prophets who also started to rise up and to overrule the word of the Lord that was spoken both through Ezekiel and Jeremiah, and gave this false sense of hope and this false sense of security to Israel. So Zedekiah began making alliances with Egypt to overthrow King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Now that's very interesting because it sounds very familiar with what's happening right now concerning Russia and Ukraine. And with Biden's own words concerning uh, influencing conspiracy to overthrow Putin or to have him assassinated. So uh, Egypt, in this passage, marches uh, against Babylon And Babylon actually wins the battle. In fact, Egypt ends up ceasing to exist as a nation and being scattered for 40 years. Now, Zedekiah attempts to escape Babylon's siege of Jerusalem, and he ends up being captured and enslaved by Babylon. And he was the very last king of Judah until Jesus came fulfilling Ezekiel's words. So in this context, God says that the crown does not belong to Zedekiah because of Zedekiah's idolatry in the false oaths that were sworn to the nations of both Babylon and Egypt. So God removed him, and he removed uh, and withheld the kingship over Israel for six or seven hundred years until Jesus came. And secondly, Zedekiah's crownship did not originally come from God. It actually came from a foreign king, through, from Babylon. It was get, given to him through an oath of allegiance and servitude. Now, what's even more interesting, if you take a look at what happened to the last king of Israel, because the kingdom was divided into two sections. You have Judah, and then you had Israel, which ruled over Samaria. Now, if you take a look at the last king of Israel, it was King Hoshea. There's an even more interesting parallel here. According to 2 Kings 15.30, Hoshea became king through a conspiracy in which his predecessor, King Pekah, was killed. The, uh, and First Kings 17 also tells us that in verse 4, that the king of Assyria discovered that Hoshea was actually a traitor, for he had uh, also sent all voice to the king of Egypt, very similar to what was happening with King Zedekiah concerning Babylon. And he no longer paid tribute to the king of Assyria, uh, and he had done this, as he had done, the Bible tells us, as he had done for year by year. Therefore, the Assyrian king had seized him and ended up putting him into prison. So, the Bible tells us in the 20th year that this guy only becomes king through a conspiracy, like I said, by killing of King Pekah. Much like uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the Assyrian king had established Hoshea as king making him swear an oath and allegiance to Assyria and had him pay an annual tribute to the Assyrian king. According to 2 Kings 17, 1-6, Hoshea, just like Zedekiah, started sending these convoys to Egypt, and he also revolted against Babylon. Ultimately, he becomes enslaved to Assyria, and he ends up only ruling as king for nine years. That's it, just nine years. 
years. Now, that number, the number nine, is extremely significant concerning Joe Biden's presidency. So in this parallel that occurs, it happens in the 20th year. Very similar, like the 2020 elections occurring in our 20th year. And like Hoshea, Biden only makes it to the presidency through a conspiracy being installed as the president. And then if you look at the total number of the electoral college votes that Biden apparently won, which was 306, and if you add those numbers up, they actually equal the number nine. The number nine is a number that symbolizes finality and judgment because Jesus was crucified at the ninth hour of the day at 3 p.m. So I can't say 100% for certain that this is indeed a prophecy, uh, something that we can use in relation to Joe Biden. But if it follows either one of these patterns, then we can conclude that if Trump rightfully won the elections, which I believe that he did, then I would assume that God will indeed rightfully restore what was stolen. But even greater, the Bible tells us in Romans eleven twenty nine, for God's gifts in his call are irrevocable. They can never be withdrawn. The King James Bible also words it in this way, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. The Amplified Bible also wording it saying, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For he does not withdraw what he has given, nor does he change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace to or whom he sends his call. The Good News Translation also saying, God does not change his mind about whom he chooses and blesses. So in other words, if God has in fact called President Trump to the presidency of the United States, especially for two terms, And if God has in fact anointed and blessed President Trump to serve not only this nation, but also his people of Israel, and God has, and if God has indeed gifted President Trump to carry out his will, then nothing can, nothing can nor ever will change what has been given and appointed. It cannot be withdrawn. You can delay it, but you can't stop it. So, one way or another, perhaps President Trump will indeed finish what God has called him to do, one way or another, and perhaps be restored even greater than what it was before. All right, guys, that's going to conclude this one. If you've got any questions, comments, or concerns, please get in touch with me by email or through our website. Just let me know, or you can let me know in the comment section below what you guys think. Keep running your race. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Stay encouraged and do not give up.